Welcome to Club Core, an interdisciplinary podcast exploring science stories. I'm your host, Dr. Angel Core, an assistant professor of neuroscience at UNC Asheville. Each episode of this podcast is created by undergraduate students enrolled in one of my courses. So join us as we delve into a variety of topics with one simple goal, to get it less wrong. This week, we're back in the world of opioids. Undergraduates Alex, Tori, and David take a closer look at naloxone, an opioid antagonist that can save lives. They discuss how it works and why it's not used more often. So here's episode nine, Wonder Drug. Hi, this is Tori Kang speaking. I'm a sophomore majoring in psychology and minoring in neuroscience. Hello, everyone. My name is David Olawini. I'm a junior majoring in biology and double minoring in neuroscience and chemistry. And I'm Alex Warren, and I'm a senior majoring in psychology with a minor in neuroscience. Today, we're going to talk about a drug called naloxone, which is sold under the name Narcan, as well as many others. This may sound familiar. Maybe you've heard about it from just, just cops and law and order. But what does it do? And how does it affect the community and the recipients of the drug? But don't worry, we're about to break it all down. Let's get it. Have you heard of the opioid epidemic? It's a hot topic on the news right now, though I don't think the news covers it in its full depth. You can think of opioids in relation to prescription painkillers or heroin. People have been abusing opioids for a very long time, but there has been a sudden spike in opioid overdoses. Yeah, more than 42,000 Americans died from opioid overdose in 2016, which is more than a 100% increase from 2010. It's astonishing that there are so many opioid overdoses when there's a drug that exists which is supposed to reverse the effects of opioid overdoses. Yeah, isn't it wild? Naloxone was patented in 1961, and its main purpose is to prevent deaths from accidental overdoses. Oh, I know about this. Drop some knowledge on us, Bill Nine. <laughs> I'm flattered. Am I allowed to use profanity too? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So what is naloxone or Narcan, if you'd like? Naloxone is, a, is an opioid antagonist. So what this means is that it interferes with the effect of opioid overdose. Will you just give a brief background on opioids? Sure. Opioids are a class of drugs naturally found in the opium poppy plant. This plant grows in the wild of Eastern and Southern Asia, if I'm not mistaken, and Southern Eastern Europe. Opioids are sometimes referred to as pain relievers, but obviously they're not like your typical over-the-counter painkillers like aspirin. They can make you feel relaxed, happy, or high, if you know what I mean, <laughs> and can be very addictive. Why some opioids such as oxycodone, oxycontin, fentanyl, etc., why they're prescribed, we still have illegal ones such as, you guessed it, heroin. Opioids use is one of the hot topics today, and one of the reasons is because it is so addictive. Like, literally anyone using it is at risk of getting addicted to it. So, what makes them so addictive? Well, when opioid molecules travel through the bloodstream and to the brain, they attach receptors on the surface of certain cells, and the chemical response triggered in the brain's reward center is the same as the reaction to intense pleasure, such as eating, drinking, having sex, etc. Okay, I can follow that. Well, back to naloxone. How do they counter opioid overdose? So basically, the receptors that accommodate opioids whenever they're introduced into the body, they're blocked by naloxone, and this reverses or blocks the effect of opioids. The reason this is the case is that naloxone has a stronger binding affinity to receptors than opioids. So could you explain this to me like I'm five? Sure. That's going to be a little hard. But anyway, um, I think of it as some kind of, you know, horror movie or an apocalypse where zombies are about to invade a place and their missions take over humans, kill them, you know, pretty much take over civilization. 
and uh, there comes all of a sudden Tantan, a superhero. A super guy comes in with a special blade that can kill the zombies and prevent them from settling on Earth. So Naloxone would be the superhero and it would come to neutralize and block the effect of opioid overdose on drug users. Wow, that's amazing. Naloxone is truly amazing. It's fascinating how it works in our brains. But what I find most impressive about this drug is... Ouch, did you just poke me with your pen? <laughs> yep, I'm trying to make a point here. Uh, <laughs> a point where you stab me with your pen? No, well, kind of. Pretend I just injected you with naloxone. Why would you do that? It's not like I'm overdosing. Well, you see, the amazing thing about naloxone is if a person who is not overdosing is injected with or takes naloxone, they experience zero side effects. Wait, for real? Is this like the new wonder drug? Nah. Well, I did stab you and you're still living. <laughs> You didn't have to stab up though, unless that was personal. You know, naloxone has been around for a while. I read in an article published by the National Institute of Drug Abuse that the FDA approved naloxone for opioid abuse treatment in 1971, and it was distributed with opioid abuse kit by many standard medically untrained people dating back to 1996. So I wouldn't call it a new wonder drug, just wonder drug. You know? Well, you know, I really think it was personal. I'm with you. There are several ways to get naloxone in the body, though that was pretty funny. What can I say? I'm hilarious. But for real, how is it administered? Well, you can administer naloxone via an intravenous route or IV. You pretty much inject naloxone directly into the bloodstream using a needle. The problem with this, though, is that you are risking exposure to blood because if you don't know what you're doing, you might just, you know, do more damage than good. You could also administer naloxone via intramuscular route or IM. There's a slow absorption here compared to IV, but you still get the same effect. Uh, other ways to administer naloxone is through an endotracheal route and sublingual. Well, hold up, Bill Knight. I have zero clue what endotracheal route and sublingual route are. Can you just explain that real quick? Of course. The endotracheal route is diluted in isotonic saline and then distributed through an endotracheal tube. And sublingual is putting it under the tongue. Like endotracheal route, I don't know if you've seen movies where uh, you know there's, there's a patient in coma and they have this big giant tube in their mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's basically how you introduce naloxone into the body. Oh, okay. These two are very unlikely, the endotracheal tube and the sublingual route, because, you know, most unconscious drug users, like, you need fast response for that. So, in theory, these this two routes work, but it's very unlikely. Aren't you forgetting something? Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, my bad. <laughs> There's a nasal route, too, and you have to, you know, you have a lot in, in the market. The dosage is already calculated, and all you have to do is insert into the nostril and squeeze. Uh, I must say, though, the calculated onset of action is within 30 seconds to two minutes. For IV, so I get why you poked her. What's that saying? When in doubt, IV is your go-to? Oh, am I making this up? I thought it was when in doubt, inject them out. Anyway, to add what Tori said about naloxone, naloxone's non-lethal side effect. It is non-addictive and it only works in persons that have opioids in the system. This is supported by a study done by Wang Shishan and his colleagues. So they work on the effect of naloxone. So even though naloxone is traditionally administered by emergency response personnel, it can be administered by you know minimally trained people with less things like likely to go to south better be safe than sorry at least it won't hurt them if they didn't need it <laughs> you know there's actually take-home naloxone kits and scotland was the first country to have the kits as a funded public health policy so what exactly is in this kit well a typical take-home naloxone kit contains two alcohol swabs used to clean the area before injection gloves two syringes and 2.4 milliliters <clears throat> naloxone the kit also contains instructions on what steps need to be taken and how and where to inject someone some kits also contain nasal sprays that are easier to administer. Yeah, want to know what is cool about this drug? <laughs> it wears up in 20 to 90 minutes. 
and he has no potential for abuse. Boom. There you go. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, there are training programs in rehab for people who are about to finish. So they know what to do and how to help in case they relapse or if they're around people who overdose. Well, it's nice that they do that, but how do they actually get access to it if you don't go to rehab? I mean, we have the wonder drug, according to Alex, but how do people actually get access to it? Yeah, it's so mind-boggling that so many people are aware of naloxone but lack accessibility, or they just don't carry it. How do we know people are aware of it and not carrying it? In a study by Karen Tobin and her fellow colleagues, they found that 90% of opioid abusers were aware of the drug naloxone. The startling thing the researchers discovered is out of this 90%, only 69% of them had access to naloxone, and only 60% had training on how to properly use naloxone. Now, out of the people aware of naloxone, only 32% of them had ever used it during an opioid overdose. Now, here's the shocking part. Over one-third of the participants reported never carrying naloxone, while 38% rarely carry it, and only 25% always or often carry it. And that's a lot of numbers. Do we have access to the script later for people to see? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I just don't understand why people who have access to naloxone wouldn't carry it when they know it's a life-saving drug, you know? Well, it's actually a lot that goes in the carrying kit with you. Some people might see it and think that you're a drug user or then stereotype you or judge you. The stigma behind drug use and caring for those who use drugs is actually pretty fierce. It really is. Some <laughs> opioid users and many other non-users do carry the kits. But do police officers carry it with them? No, not all police officers carry it with them, but if they do, they have to go through training. An article in the American Journal of Emergency Medicine by Jessica Rando and Associates explains how this training includes watching demonstration videos and learning basic life-saving techniques. They are also taught how to identify victims who might benefit from naloxone administration and learned about naloxone's use and the effects on victims. They even practiced administration of an intranasal naloxone using expired kits on mannequins. Mm. Mm. It's good that they have to go through training, you know. I would hope their training also includes how to help destigmatize the carrying of naloxone. The question is, how often are these trainings offered? That's actually a really good question, and I'm not sure. I think it varies across states and counties, but I do know that in Ohio, um, in Lorain County, they had a training session for police officers once and just let them carry it around. There are advocates speaking out that police officers need yearly training to keep them up to date and aware of signs of an overdose. This could also help police officers see people who are overdosing as those are in need of help. The more you learn about something, the less you judge. Very true. I'm sure this has to be a touchy subject for police officers. Do they even want to carry naloxone? (laughs) Most police officers would actually like to have it with them because of the shocking amount of times they're at serious overdoses. In fact, a study done in Seattle where 93% of police officers responded that they had attended a serious overdose in their career. And of those, 93%, 64% of them attended a serious overdose in the last year. Wow. I also think it's amazing that family members who have loved ones struggling with opioid abuse can have access to naloxone kits. Yeah, you know, some states now have laws that don't require you or a family member to have a history of substance abuse before you can access the kit. If you live in an area where you may witness an overdose and want to do something to help, then you can head to your closest pharmacy and pick one up. In fact, there's a standing order of naloxone in some states where the costs are taken care of by Medicaid, and North Carolina is one of them. Mm. According to a Drug and Alcohol Dependence Journal article done by Alex Ertner, Marissa Domino, and Corey Davis states that Medicaid accounts for about one-fifth of all expenditures for substance use disorder services. Medicaid for all. (laughs) 
Well, substance use disorders include illicit drugs and non-illicit drugs. In fact, in 2013, a study found that more than 80% of naloxone use was for heroin overdoses, even though there were twice as many prescription opioid deaths than heroin. Mm -hmm. Due to this discovery, the Substance Abuse and Medical Health Administration created an overdose prevention kit. It advises prescribers to give opioid prescription patients who have high doses or long-term opioid prescriptions naloxone. That's awesome. Because prescribing naloxone is not something most people think about, you know, especially me. <laughs> but this is a major step in the right direction, y'all. Yeah. What other steps can we take to help prevent overdoses? Well, there are some states now that have recognized that people actually need more help than what they're given. And so this law came out called the Good Samaritan Law. It's being implemented in certain states, not all of them yet, but hopefully soon. It states if you call the police because someone's overdosing, they cannot arrest them. The main goal is to make sure people do not lose their lives this epidemic and not arrest more people. I also read about that in the rising price of naloxone risks to efforts to stem overdose deaths. It discussed the steps the FDA needs to take to make naloxone more accessible. One major thing the FDA believes the government should implement is the justification from manufacturers on why they increase the price of naloxone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think if these guidelines are implemented, you know, it might decrease how much, you know, some drug companies charge as well as how much buyers make, you know, how much buyers feel more comfortable purchasing the naloxone. In addition to that, for those who are skeptical of buying a drug for the first time, knowing the price is reasonable and would give them, you know, some kind of comfort in their decision to buy it. Yeah, it's unimaginable what companies are charging for life-saving drugs. The article I just mentioned created a chart that showed different manufacturers and their price of naloxone from earlier years to 2016. Now, they found the company Hospiro charged $62.29 for 10 milliliters of injectable naloxone in 2012. And as of 2016, they charged $142.49 for the same what? amount of injectable That's naloxone. Mm-hmm. They are not the only company that have a significant spike in cost. In contrast, the companies Mylan and Westward did not increase their prices from 2014 to 2016. The article noted that some companies did not explain their sudden increase in pricing. So there needs to be accountability for pricing of drugs and why it changes. You know, you're exactly right. In fact, Vermont has new legislation requiring companies to justify price increases, and California has attempted to constrain drug payments with the recently proposed and bipartisan-supported Fair Accountability and Innovative Research Drug Pricing Act. These states are just a couple examples from the same article. What we need to see are laws that are effectively changing in other states, however slow it may be. Sure. Politics, am I right? Girl, you're more right than you know. Maybe our grandkids will see the change of the planet doesn't burn into fiery abyss. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, though, what can we do to help on a local level? Bill and I always keeping us on track. <laughs> well, you can always speak out. You can normalize carrying the kit. Go and get a kit to show support. Write to your local political leaders. Overall, I think naloxone is an amazing drug, and more awareness needs to be spread about it. I hope someday we will see people on the street just carrying naloxone kids and not judge them, and hopefully they won't feel judged. Because why look down on a life-saving drug? Hmm. Well, that concludes our podcast for today. Thank you guys so much for your time. Shout out to Dr. Core in the Neuroscience Department for guiding and supervising this edition. To our fans, I don't know if we have fans. To our fans and audience, thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you've learned something today, one or two things you can share with someone else. 
We invite you to subscribe to Dr. Core's podcast for more educational podcasts and scientific and social topics. And also, Dr. Core is awesome. Just take a class. Yes, All right. she is. <laughs> Peace. Bye. Bye. Club Corps is produced by a multidisciplinary team of students at UNC Asheville. This episode was researched, scripted, and hosted by David Alawany, Tori Kang, and Alex Warren as part of a neuropharmacology class project during fall 2019. Recording assistance provided by Kent Thompson and Leah at the UNC Asheville Audio Lab, with additional sound engineering by Austin Klump. Jessica Fox wrote our theme music. Special thanks to Sasha Hussey and his team at the UNC Asheville Media Design Lab, and thank you for listening. You can find show notes, including links to the research discussed in this episode, at clubcore.com slash podcast slash episode 9. If you like this episode, please share, subscribe, and review. And if you have a question you'd like us to explore, drop us a line. You can find me, Angel Core, on all the socials at Club Core. We'd love to tell your science stories so we can all get it less wrong. Until next time. <laughs>